Welcome to the show, everyone. We have today's guest with us. We have Jamie Bailey, founder and bassist and vocalist for the brutal death metal band Brodoquin. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here, even though I am a couple minutes late. I apologize. <laughs> a better, yeah, a better late than never. <laughs> right, right. So, Jamie, your band started out and still consists of you and your brother, along with others. But when when did you go from just jamming together to deciding to forming a band? And, and were you like a brutal death metal band right from the beginning? Um, I don't. You know, it's a toughie. We. We grew up, obviously, together, being my brothers. We moved around the country quite a bit due to our dad's occupation. And a lot of the times, we were kind of like our own, you know, best friends. We didn't really have a lot of friends. We were a new kid in town all the time. Kind of happens that way. So when we started playing music, it naturally was we were playing together. Now, in the beginning, Mike may have, you know, flirted around with a little band here or there that I wasn't part of and vice versa. But uh, it became apparent pretty quick that, the best way to kind of accomplish what we were looking for was just to do this together. Um, and when we first started out, you know, you, you're always looking at who's around you, you know, the resources you have, and there's not a whole lot, still not a whole lot of uh, brutal death metal musicians in the Knoxville, Tennessee area. So when we first started, it was probably more akin to like a, a thrashy type of band or something like that. Cause that's who we had to choose from. Um, then eventually when the network kind of expanded a little bit, we're able to come across some people that had interest in death metal and it kind of rolled from there. So Jamie, tell us what a Brada coin is. So if for those of us that have the instruments of torture CD, it's the artwork and the inside tray card. <laughs> we use the artwork on the back of the instruments of torture shirt for a while. Basically, if you will think of um, kind of like a box that's going to go around your legs. So your, your legs will be fully encased in this box. They'll also be, your legs will be separated by a couple of boards in between your left and right leg. Then they would take wedges and drive them in between these boards. So you have, you know, immense pressure from all sides on the bone, which of course results in the bone shattering. It's, it's technically not considered an execution technique. It's a torture technique. However, when you think about when these things are being utilized and in the rates of infection and things like that, no antibiotics, it often would be a, a fatal endeavor to be part of this so let's tell everybody you have a degree in history so would it be safe to assume your degree was like in medieval history so i've, I've always been a huge fan of history mm -hmm. and um you know you know how it is when you're in university you always have to take electives and blah 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 blah, blah. Right. so i've done lots of different history but you know i focus on the middle ages i also focus on a lot of different areas of the world and the history, uh, you know, American Civil War, you know, you name it, World War One, World War Two, Revolutionary War in the United States. Um, but the medieval era always just was um, really something that drew me in for whatever reason. And and this type of uh, material, when you're talking about Middle Ages, usually is pretty glossed over, you know, because we'll talk about, you know, religious movements or, or you know, um, you know, maybe the Black Death, things like that. But uh, a lot of this stuff was kind of wrapped in mystery. And so it just kind of drew me in. And, and it's hard to find a lot of information on it. Still is. I mean, even though it's, you know, we've got the Internet and all that and, you know, the endless streams of info out there. But it's still kind of one of those topics that there's not a lot of information. Um, but when, once you dig into it, what I mean by that is once you dig into it, you'll find you're reading a lot of the same stuff which is okay. It's just interesting that we don't talk a lot about it. 
So tell us how you kind of incorporated the history that you learned into your music. I mean, listening to your music is like a musical history lesson in medieval torture, Jamie. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that was kind of one of the thought processes. You know, when when you're first starting out, you know, there's a zillion bands out there, right? And mm-hmm. there's a zillion fantastic bands out there. So we kind of were thinking, well, how in the world are we going to differentiate ourselves from everybody else that's doing pretty much, you know, similar things. And in the past, there had been bands that, you know, have talked about, you know, maybe some kind of, you know, uh, maybe maybe the witch trials or something like that. Or, of course, Iron Maiden, right? I mean, their name is Iron Maiden. So you've got people that were kind of flirting with this idea, but no one ever took a a, a real deep dive into it, kind of like we did. And I thought, well, this will give us a chance to separate ourselves with the imagery, the uh, subject matter, and, you know, being I'm kind of a history nerd, maybe I can share some of this this kind of what I think is cool history along the way and, and and some of the pieces of artwork that, you know, were extremely regional during the time. And you're talking about woodcuts and things like that. You know, for example, the cover of the Instruments of Torture album was a woodcut that they believe comes from somewhere in Germany. So unless you were there at that time, you wouldn't have seen that piece of artwork. By us using it, it kind of gets it out there to to more people than, than the artist probably could have ever imagined would be seeing their, their pieces of art. Uh, so that was part of it too, the art, the matter, all of it. And, well, it's kind of cool too. Like I said, it's like a history, musical history lesson there when you, right, right. between the music, what you're singing about and the visuals, you know, it's just kind of cool. And you guys got, got your own thing going on so far. That nobody else is doing. So so you guys kind of stopped due due to some family tragedies. But, Jamie, what was the band doing kind of prior to the time? Like, what were some of the shows you were playing and tours and stuff like that? So there were, you know, lots of opportunities we had. We were fortunate enough to go over back, uh, you know, sort of in, like, Methods of Execution days um, and do Obscene Extreme. We Mm -hmm. did, you know, Fuck the Commerce in Germany. Um, all kinds of goodies uh, that, you know, we never thought we'd be able to do that. We, we thought, okay, well, we're just going to have this this band and it's going to be fun and we'll release some hopefully pretty cool stuff. But uh, never really ever thought that we'd have the opportunity to, well, even play some of the fantastic festivals here, like whether it be Metal and Death Fest or whatnot, let alone go overseas and do that. So, um, you know, we did a couple little mini tours back in the day with uh, Vomit Remnants, um, little, little stuff like that. But uh, really, due to um, job constraints and things like that, festivals have been our best friends. Mm-hmm. And now your last full length was Methods of Execution out in 2004. Jamie, mm-hmm. what was it that kind of spawned your comeback to the scene and ultimately writing this new album? Well, we knew at some point we were going to get back involved in it. But with what you had mentioned earlier, we didn't really have a timeline on that. You mm-hmm. know, we, everything was being processed and thought differently. Then we went through, you know, okay, well, we've got to get the, you know, the lineup complete. we got to figure out what we're doing with that. And uh, that, that posed some challenges. So along the way, probably, you know, the last seven or eight years, we had actively been seriously writing. Now in the past, we were kind of, you know, a riff would come here or there and we'd talk about it, maybe how we might want to use it. But then we started actually putting things together. Once we started putting things together, it was just like really the old days and, and just like dropping dominoes. You know, at one after the other, the riffs were falling, things were going right into place, and it came together rather quickly. Really just kind of came down to personnel. 
So the name of the album is Harbringer of Woe. So Jamie, tell us a little bit about this album and, and some of its lyrical themes or torture sure. history. So we, <laughs> we still have a lot of the same, you know, subject matter, of course, uh, dealing with Middle Ages. I delved into some deeper stuff we've done in the past. We had songs mm-hmm. like Torches of Nero or Bronze Bowl, which went back to Greek and Roman times. And we did that this time with a song called Suffocation and Ash that goes pretty deep, you know, back to, you know, fifth century type thing. Um, but a lot of the similar stuff, the, the, the kind of things that have changed a little bit where in the past, I might just tell you basically black and white um, what the specific torture was about, like, you know, spinning an agony or something. It might just be kind of a, uh, a step-by-step walking you through what happens to the victim. Um, this time around, it was a little bit different. I kind of played a little bit with um, trying to get a little bit more into the emotion of, of what the person or crowd or even executioner may be experiencing during this and kind of played into the album title itself and the album cover, you know, that we selected. Kind of this this whole feeling of uh, almost hopelessness and, and suffering. And tell us a little bit about the album and, and like, approaching it musically from a musical point of view so mike does a tremendous amount on the music side Mm -hmm. i'll come to him i also play guitar but like i've said in the past i'm i'm a pretty dirty guitar player it's just not very clean what i do so i'll have these really rough ballpark ideas you know i'll say hey what do you think about this and when i approach him with it or i record it and send it to him or however we do it he's always able to take that and mold it into something that's actually usable and 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 you know really good where I'm thinking of going, he's able to take it even five, ten steps further than that. So even though he's the, he's a the major writer of riffs, there's contributions coming in from myself that help things go along the way. But Mike is kind of the master crafter here with, with the music. And talking a little bit more about the cover art that you touched on a mm-hmm. little bit. So you had an artist help you with this and you threw in some of your things. But what do these artists think when you're like... Tell them what you want. So it's actually interesting because this is one where this is a a fairly, I say, famous piece, you know, in the world of art. But you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's it's one of those things. If you're into it, you're into it. Otherwise, you know, who knows? You know, I mean, the Mona Lisa means nothing to plenty of people. Right. So this is one of those things where the artist Jose de Brito is a Portuguese guy. He actually passed away like in 1946, if I'm not mistaken, or 48, one of the two. Uh, I stumbled across this piece of artwork. In one of uh, one of my millions of books, it seems I have around here, and thought, "Wow, this is kind of really capturing what I'm going for on this this record." You know, I wonder if there's any way we could possibly use it because things are different when you're on a you know when you're doing things on a low low level as far as an underground label goes. People probably aren't going to catch the artwork. They're probably not going to have a problem with it if you're using something right. improperly, so to speak, without the proper rights. Uh, things were a little bit different now with season because it was going to reach a lot more people. So I was absolutely shocked and thrilled that we got permission from the Museum of Contemporary Art wow. in Lisbon, Portugal, that houses this piece. So that was shocking to me. I, I couldn't think of anyone off the top of my head that has gotten that kind of permission. No. To, to use a piece of art like this. So I was thrilled we were able to go with it. All I did to it were very minor edits just to make it look a little more dirty and rough around the edges. But uh, that's it. You know, I mean, as far as the art goes itself, he kind of captured where I was, where I felt we were kind of going with this. 
Well, that's kind of a cool historical thing right there. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. And again, you know, where it's all just so weird to me to think that, you know, I never would have thought in my wildest dreams that, you know, a history, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, a museum of art is going to someday give you permission to use a piece that they have. Yeah. That's would, crazy. It's crazy. To you me, would you know? think that they would be like so proper and be right. like, no, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, all I can figure is what it comes down to is they absolutely research the things we used in the past. Mm-hmm. No way they're just going to give you a blanket. Yeah, go ahead. Right. And they must have felt, hey, these guys aren't, you know. We're not exploiting it in any way. No, you know, we're treating it respectfully, and and so I think it was uh, that was a big factor in why they were like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> and you know, Jamie, I wanted to mention to the audience too that on your Facebook page you have like these little, little, you know, this time period things, little snippets, you know, today in history type of thing. Yeah, right. Now, weren't you going to do some kind of like YouTube thing? You were going to run yeah, some. I'm- I'm kicking it around, you know, to try and do that. And, and one of the the challenges is, is, is trying to figure out, you know, how long of this information is too long, right? Uh, do you just do like a real type of thing where you're talking about like a minute, you know, a minute and a half, a real quick, high level description? Or do you dig into something that, you know, becomes more like 30 minutes? You know, I, I don't know where I'm at yet with that on, on attention span for the audience, you know? I mean, you would know that better than anyone. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I mean, I was scrolling just the other day. I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling just to read all these things on your page. Because <laughs> they're all yeah. interesting, you know? And even the way you word it, Jamie, it's it's interesting to read. It's not like trying to read a boring history thing, you know, it's kind right. of fun. And, <laughs> and that, you know, there's a lot of truth in that statement as far as like the interpretation of people's experience mm. with history, right? So most of us remember our history classes as being very much this boring, oh my God, I've got history class, you know, third period or whatever. You know what I mean? I can't, I don't even want to go in there. And I get it. I had a lot of those classes too. Um, the trick with history, I think, or anything really to, to, to kind of keep people into it is you have to make it fun you have to make it interesting if it's all just you know just a wall of text that no one can possibly relate to yeah you're going to lose everyone and jamie if people want to learn more about the band keep up to dates on shows where to pick up the album where to read some of these historical lessons what are some (laughs) of the best sites for them to go to let's see there there are Many of the sites that I've gone to have been run a lot like people like myself, you know, that Mm -hmm. are just interested. And so really the best thing I would suggest is going to Google and type in like, you know, history of torture, history of Middle Ages, torture, yada, yada, yada. And you'll come across a wealth of of knowledge there. And that's kind of changing. And then books are hit or miss, to be honest with you. Um, In the past, I have recommended books to people. thinking that they were very much interested in in the topic at hand and what ended up happening is they really weren't interested in the topic they just kind of wanted to get the images <laughs> you know for for whatever reason mm-hmm. so there's a book I defaulted to now it is a good book it's a huge book and there's not a lot of useful um illustrations in there so if you're interested in the topic you know there's a book called framing the early middle ages uh, let's see who was that by? I can't remember who that was by. Uh, Chris um, Chris Wickham, I think, wrote that book. Mm-hmm. It's a huge book. It's like 800 pages or something like that. But it'll dig in. And of course, I would recommend you know anyone can feel free to get in touch with 
with me in Facebook. You know, I'm just Jamie Bailey on Facebook. You'll see me right there. Um, Broddickandofficial.com will also get you our email address. And for those that are actually interested, I'd, I'd be thrilled to help them out. Seasonofmistofcourse.com will have all the album information and pre-ordering information for all the merchandise. So there you guys go. Brodequin have a new album coming out March 22nd called Harbringer of Woe off of Season of Miss Records. And Jamie, thank you for coming to the show to talk a little bit about the band and the new album. And we wish you all the best. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it.